This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's a fan evening show, Sports Radio 93.7. The fan, Josh Roundtree here with you. And we go out to the fan hotline right now, which is presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. And we bring in our pal, Ian Cummings of Pro Football Network. What's up, man? It's been a while since we've chatted. We haven't uh, been thinking about the draft too much, but it's good to have you on. And I guess we're officially in draft season now. Yeah, you can tell when it's draft season when you call me, right? It's kind of when it starts to ramp up a bit, but it's been fun, right? It's a grind. We had the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl earlier this month. We got the NFL Combine next week, actually. So it's it's a big time. It's a busy time and uh, a big two-month lead-up. And the Pittsburgh Steelers obviously uh, need a good one, for sure. How big – you talk about the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl. Like, How big are those events ultimately for guys to – you know, move up the draft boards to move down the draft boards. I mean, how much stock is put by NFL managements uh, into things like the Senior Bowl? Because they are very well attended, and particularly here in Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin is a, a, a very, very present figure always at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, and I think the important part of there of that, you know, excerpt is being present, right? I think the most important thing for those events is getting one-on-one time with the prospects, not just getting to know them at an individual level, but also kind of seeing how they interact with uh, new prospects and how they fare in a new environment, right? A lot of moving parts those weeks. So handling, you know, learning the scheme, picking up the playbook and, and applying those plays in practice. Uh, those are things that they like to get in person. And at the same time, like the, the tape is, is uh, paramount. That's the most important thing. But I think getting that extra, uh, you know, snippet to the to the question, you know, how they go off the field, their character, their practice habits, those things are the most important things that week. Ian, when you start to look at you know individual teams and what they need, and and you look at the Steelers, I think the perception here in Pittsburgh is that there are a number of avenues that they could go. I think last year we kind of knew. You know, unless something weird sort of happened, offensive tackle was probably going to be the move, particularly if there was a good one there. This year maybe seems a little bit more open as far as options for the Steelers, that there might be more holes on their roster than, say, there were even a year ago as it pertains to to who they draft. When you look at their needs, what are they? How do you rank them as far as – you know, most important, second most important. I mean, can you break it down like that for us on what the Steelers need to address in the draft here? Yeah, most mock drafts that I've done, offensive line takes – 
pretty heavy precedence early on. I think center, you can definitely upgrade from Mason Cole. I think uh, right tackle, because Broderick Jones, natural left tackle. I think he had good moments at right tackle, but I would want a natural right tackle to help him shift back over to the position that he's more comfortable at. I think that's the best way to shuffle the line. Having a guy who can play left and right is valuable, but you know, playing guys where they're most comfortable with their most position to succeed, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, you can add a left or right tackle, and you can shuffle them around, but I'm kind of pinpointing a right tackle early on. A lot of right tackles in their range in the first round as well. On the defensive side of the ball, corner is probably the top need for me. Joey Porter Jr. is definitely a central piece. You want to keep him around, right? But on the other side, I think they seriously lack speed and playmaking ability. So getting a guy like Quinion Mitchell from Toledo, for example, that's just one example. I think this corner class is very strong. But those are the top two needs that stand out to me. I think interior defensive line depth is also a possibility. There's some long-term questions at wide receiver with Deontay Johnson, his contract situation. Uh, and quarterback obviously is you know not a certainty with Kenny Pickett, and they're hoping to bring in a veteran, right? But I think those three, offensive center, offensive tackle, and cornerback, those stand out to me. You mentioned the depth of the corner position, and obviously opposite Joey Porter Jr. We don't know what's going to happen with Patrick Peterson after that. There's some definite questions about the Steelers' depth. What is the depth of the class like when you talk about corners? How many do you feel like could go in the first round, and and who might be a fit for the Steelers and what they like to do picking at number 20, do you feel like, and who might be available at that point? Yeah, I think it's a good spot to be. I think, uh, you know, if you want Alabama's Terry and Arnold, that might be wishful thinking. I think he goes top 15 at this point, especially after he tests. But it's interesting because I feel like there's a few guys who could go before they pick or be on the board when they pick. You've got Nate Wiggins from Clemson who's got the speed, the length, the physicality, right, the playmaking ability. Mitchell is one of those guys who is just an absolute ball hawk and off man in zone coverage, but at the senior bowl showed that he can play in press man too. Cooper Dijon is another one, 6'1", 209. He's more of a safety corner hybrid, but you've got a really high IQ player with those ball skills too. Uh, and then you got guys like TJ Tampa from Iowa State. I'm a big fan of. He's 6'2", 200. He's got that length, explosiveness, the coverage variability. And then you've got guys like Ennis Rakestraw from Missouri, who impressed, man, he's just a saving, man. He's got the length, he's got the physicality, the foot speed, and the technical prowess. So I think for Pittsburgh, one thing that they've really preferred and they kind of, kind of showed with Joey Porter Jr. is guys who have the length and the physicality to dictate reps and press, man. So looking at that aspect of it, I would prefer a guy, if they're available, Quinion Mitchell or Nate Wiggins, right? I think those guys provide the best value at 20. If they're not there, trade back maybe or, you know, try and get another guy. But I think TJ Tampa and Rakestraw, if you wanted to trade back a little bit, get, get more optimal value, uh, those guys could be options too. I think the main thing is length, physicality, disruption, and also recovery speed because we know with Levi Wallace, opposite quarter, they kind of lacked that last year. Talking with Ian Cummings of Pro Football Network. Um, Ian, I, I look at this Steelers defensive line and, you know, Cam Hayward is coming off surgery now apparently and, and obviously is no spring chicken. Larry Ogunjobi's getting up there and hasn't really uh, put up big numbers on that defensive line, has had some good moments. DeMarvin Leal has been somewhat of a disappointment who is uh, deactivated essentially by the end of the year. And and Keanu Benton looks like a good promising young player, but uh, still a lot to be determined there. Is defensive line an area in the first round that has some depth to it? And who are the guys that, um, you know, could maybe fit in the Steelers defensive line and what they like to do uh, as part of the, as part of their base defense? I think the better range to get a defensive tackle for the for the uh, for the Steelers is probably round two, round three. If you're going to invest in that position, I think round one, 
uh, Jerzon Newton, or Johnny Newton, as he likes to go by from Illinois, Byron Murphy the second. Those are probably your top options. I don't know how good of fits they are for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh usually likes guys who are a little bit longer. Uh, Keanu Benton is one guy who's around 6'4", 310. He had over 33-inch arms. So, you know, I think they will fall below those thresholds for the Steelers. But don't get me wrong, I think Newton and Murphy are phenomenal players. They're both top 20 guys on my board. Uh, and I think that if they do want to kind of stem outside those thresholds, they could. But I, for the Steelers, I look more to guys on the day two range like Ruka Aroraro from Clemson. Uh, he's very alignment versatile, that 6'4", 300-pound frame. And he's pretty young, too. He's still pretty early in his football career. Or a guy like Dwayne Carter from Duke. Again, he's 6'3", 300, but he's got very good proportional length for his size, too. So I think he kind of fits that Ogan Joby profile, right? You know, having that torquing freedom, that explosiveness. And then stay, sticking with Clemson, Tyler Davis could be a good option early day three. But Leonard Taylor from Miami is another one. He's got that length. He's got that explosiveness, too. So I think day two is the better range to get a guy like that. Or you can get Justin Ebowigbe from Alabama. He fits that profile as well. Uh, but I think day one, you're probably going for offensive line or corner because I don't think the profiles match up with the Steelers. Ian, there was some reports that came out this week, or one, I guess, that suggested the Steelers could theoretically be interested in a guy like Bo Nix, a quarterback uh, at 20th overall. Maybe not Bo Nix, maybe another quarterback at 20th overall. Do you see that right now as a possibility for the Steelers? I mean, I, I could see them drafting a quarterback, Hard for me to believe that, you know, they would again at, you know, a, a mid-round or 20th-ish pick take a quarterback uh, when they have a guy like that and, and Kenny Pickett and they're still trying to figure things out. But is that in the realm of possibility, do you feel like, with them? It's in the realm of possibility. It, it's a tough pill to swallow when you picked Pickett around the 20th overall pick and he hasn't really – expanded beyond what you thought it was going to be right you know it seems like maybe you're stalling out with him and that's not a path you want to take again that said bonex is not the same prospect as picket bonex is a higher graded prospect for me i had a midday two on picket i have a fringe round one round two on Knicks. so i think it's a little bit easier to stomach taking him that high and i don't i do think bonex has a lot of redeemable qualities i think you know his efficiency this year uh breaking the ncaa completion percentage record i think 77 percent right but he's a very good distributor you know he's very very smooth as a ball handler and a creator and he's very accurate as well and i think you know while you're a little concerned about his layered anticipation ability at the second level the intermediate range he is very good pre-snap getting his guys in the right spot and he's got the creation ability so i think there is merit to considering him there for the steelers it's just you do have a lot of holes on the roster you're still trying to figure pick it out do you want to put yourself in the same situation where you spend that capital? You could spend it on a potential blue chip piece of another position, and instead you spend it on a quarterback who might not be able to get you over the hump. I think that's the issue. You know, To me, I would probably defer to supporting talent, but I do think it's in the realm of possibility. Ian, obviously a lot of people right now are looking at the Bears. They have Justin Fields. Uh, I'm sure you're no stranger to this. There's a lot of people in Pittsburgh who are very interested in what's going to happen with Justin Fields and the Bears, a lot of people would like Justin Fields to come to the Steelers. Um, what do you feel like the Bears ultimately do? I mean, it seems like a foregone conclusion that they would take Caleb Williams, but there's been a couple of reports now that, that maybe they try to trade out of that uh, and keep Fields and, and you know just stock up a bunch of picks. Is that overcomplicating it? Do they just take Caleb Williams and then figure things out with Fields? And, and how do you feel like the quarterback situation breaks down there in the first round ultimately? 
Yeah, I think um, it's tough for the for the Bears because with Justin Fields, it's not just about keeping him. It's about deciding whether to spend big money on him for right. a long time, right? Because you've got that fifth-year option decision coming up in May, and you got to spend that. And then if you accept that, right, then you're potentially looking at an extension, and you're maybe marrying yourself to a guy who you're not sold on 100% long-term. So the question is not, do we want to keep Justin Fields? It's do we want to tie ourselves to him, you know, be connected to him and not, you know, not be able to cut ties? So, I ultimately, I think the Bears, they got two top 10 picks. I think it's a great opportunity because they got the first overall pick from the Panthers, right? You know, they wasn't even their own. So I think you're not often in this kind of position where you can get a quarterback at number one overall without trading up, and then you can go to ninth overall and still get a quality player to support them too. So I think for me personally, I feel that they will reset the clock with Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever they prefer there. I think they'll trade Justin Fields. I think they will ultimately reset the clock and get that going. The bigger question for me is who ends up taking fields because that same team has to ask a lot of those same questions do we accept a fifth year option do we tie ourselves to him long term how much capital do we spend on a guy who yes he's a very talented runner he has flashes of passing ability but the consistency has not been there to this point a lot of questions for me to say i would invest heavy day two capital into that but i think the bears if they take that route there will be interest that's my feeling though i think caleb williams or drake may will kick it off for the bears and that will set in motion the rest of the events is there a possibility, and last thing for you, you mentioned Caleb Williams or Drake May. Is it possible the Bears maybe surprise some people and, and they like Drake May more? Is that something that you know perhaps the Combine can determine? I think it's a very good possibility, honestly. I think you know for Bears fans, there is a little bit of stress, you know, taking another North Carolina quarterback. But I will, I will say, don't scout the helmet, right? Helmet scouting, it's it's not, it's a big no-no for for evaluators, right? You want to scout what's on the film. And Drake May, to me, is actually, I think he has merit as a QB one contender. He's actually my QB one slightly over Caleb Williams, and I want to say like they are they are as close as can be. They are basically QB one A and one B for me. But May is higher on my board. I think May gives a better balance of physical talent and operational utility with his ability to anticipate throw guys open right he's a very intelligent high iq passer a little volatile which you can expect from a young qb but the arm talent is through the roof the athleticism for his size is very appealing i think he has some justin herbert to him if he can start to rein that in a little bit so to me personally i think when people see him throw the combine right both him and williams have very good arms so i think it'll be a good thing for both of them but drake may get slept on sometimes and i think he deserves a little bit more credence there so i think what it will ultimately come down to because they're both so talented is the interviews. How do they mesh with the coaching and the personnel, and how do they go through those football questions? How does their football IQ show? I think that will be the biggest thing because talent-wise, there aren't too many arguments to say we shouldn't make this investment. Mm, Very, very interesting. Ian, appreciate it, man. As always, good to talk to you. Love this time of year and getting you on, so we appreciate it, and we'll uh, do it again closer to the draft. Thanks, my man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right, that is Ian Cummings of Pro Football Network. You can uh, follow Ian on Twitter, IC underscore draft. I mean, Charlie, Nelly, that guy knows his ball, doesn't he? I mean, he's throwing out all the lingo. He's got, you know, the terminology down. Like, he really knows his stuff, Ian Cummings. I've never heard of helmet scouting before. You don't scout the helmet. You scout the player. I, I like that because I'm guilty of that. Like, I see Drake May, and I think Mitch Trubisky and Sam Howell. And I think, eh, 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 well, there's a lot of talent, you know, good body, good arm, good this, good that, but he's a North Carolina quarterback, and they're not very good. What are the best draft cliches in a scouting report? 
You just said good body. Twitchy. I've never heard of Twitchy. Twitchy is a defensive lineman term. He's he's Twitchy. That's that's a big one. Uh, short arms for an offensive lineman. You know, you can't have short arms. You have short arms, you're you're done. Small, Small hands. hands. There we go. A little harmony with me and Nelly tonight. You can't have a quarterback with small hands. I'm trying to think, what else is a what else is another draft cliche? Uh, well, there's always the the red flags. You know, there's red flags with this guy. You know, when when he was in eighth grade, he stole a pencil. We've got red flags on this guy. Do you remember the year that I, it might have been ESPN? I'm not sure. It was one of the networks. It might have been the NFL Network. I forget. It was one of the draft networks, and there's multiples of them now. But pretty much every guy that walked across the stage, there was some sort of story that was either a red flag, like, hey, this guy, you know, he had some legal issues, or this guy did this, or it was, it was ESPN. It, it was yeah, ESPN. or it was this guy's cat died yesterday. <laughs> like it was just every player that came across the stage. There was a sob story. Had in there some sort, yeah, some sort of either red flag story or some sort of personal affliction that had gone down. And I'm like, man, is this what it takes to get to the NFL? Do you either have to be a piece of you-know-what or have something terrible happen to you to get to the NFL? I mean, there, it was There was that one guy. I'm trying to think of the actual story, but it was just so not in the same place as the happy-go-lucky feeling it was when he walked across the stage. It was, oh, he just got drafted. His mom, dad, sister all died within the last two years, <laughs> or something like that. And I we're all like, at that, but and we're all like, it. This is a happy day. Yes, we can mention it, like, sp- like sprinkle, 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 here and there. But like, back to back to back, it's like, I don't know if you, if my dad does this all the time. Like he'll give me a call. Hey, dad, what's up? Yeah, remember this this person X Y Z? Yeah, well, they're dead. Uh, oh yeah, stepmom is making chicken parm for dinner. If you want to come over later, All yeah, right, I, you, yeah, that is a, that is a boomer move in a major way. I, I get the same thing from my mom. She'll call me up. Well, so and so, you know, uh, they have kidney failure. I'm like, All right, good talking to you. Christmas dinner. Well, you know, I was talking to this person, and uh, you know, they got a lot of health issues. And all right. I, th- I think you just get to that point in life where, you know, my parents are both retired now too. So other people's, I, I think in the way that, you know, when we're, when we're younger, we're interested in other people's lives, but it's more dating, you know, or are they having kids or, you know, what are they, you know, we like to get involved in the drama a little bit. And then when you get older in life, like the only drama that's left is like how much, how much longer you got. Essentially, that's that's morbid. <laughs> that is that 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 that's that's one of the that's probably one of the worst things I've ever said on the radio. But <laughs> it's I mean there is some truth to it. Uh, old people, older people, they start. Not all of them. Not all, this isn't across the board. And I'm not saying this is always the case. But they start to pay a little bit more attention to. Uh, some of the bad things going on out there with with the people that they know, because that's that's the prominent thing in those people's lives. Sadly, in, in the it's same, a sad thing. In the same vein, this is another thing my dad does. He'll text me, 
Call me. Oh, yeah. You call me. My, and then my, I- my mom will text me and say, you working? Now, look, I understand. I do work a lot. I get that. And she guy. doesn't want to call me while I'm working and bother me. But she texts me, you working? And I'm like, no. Then as soon as I respond, no, there's phone the rings. phone call. There's the phone call. And I can't get mad at it because I would rather her probably do that than call me and me not be able to answer. And I'm like, oh, I got I, I to gotta send her to voicemail or whatever. But, yeah, every time my mom calls me, it starts with you working. Yeah, that's that's how that goes. He did that to me yesterday when I was bartending. Call me. And that, whenever your parent texts you that, it's, all right, what's wrong? Right, there's that initial sense of, uh-oh, is everything okay? And then I called there's, him. there's not. Hey, what's <laughs> going on? There's nothing going on. <laughs> so I called him. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Everything okay? Yeah, I, fantasy draft. I scheduled for March 14th. That okay with you? It, 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 we're uh-huh. not even a, yeah sure yeah. It, everybody okay yep uh-huh uh-huh and that's how that's how it goes that's how it goes fan twitter brought to you by south hills kia and peters township you can visit them at south hills net. interesting uh that was really interesting the the thing there at the very end with ian cummings he thinks drake may is the better quarterback prospect than caleb williams and i wonder if that happens what the bears decide to do with Justin Fields, with the number one pick? How do the Steelers factor into this? We'll talk about that when we come back. I also want to throw one more yay or nay out to Nelly here. And it's one that's very interesting. Very interesting. We'll talk about that when we come back. I'm Josh Roundtree, fan evening show. I just tried to press the microphone on button four times and missed it. Three of the first four times. Nelly. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's been a strange night. We've talked about Mars. What would your scouting report be after missing the button four times? Inaccuracy seems to be a problem. Consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Happy feet, perhaps. Nervous in the pocket, maybe. Um, Fan text lines brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates. It's a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. We were talking about red flags. Remember when Laramie Tunsil had the the bong mask and it came out and he slipped in the draft because he had a bong mask on? Yeah. That was 2016 that that happened. I feel like eight years later, I don't think anybody's really going to care about the bong mask. I don't think anybody cared then. But he, besides, but he fell. besides the people who were drafting. Yeah, but I think the people drafting now are probably like, eh, you know what, the guy smokes weed, it's better than a lot of other things that he could be doing. Which league stopped testing for, for marijuana? Didn't the NBA stop testing? Yeah, the NBA did a, a little while ago. Um, I don't think 
I don't think the NFL really does anymore. I think they sort of backtracked on that. And honestly, and if we're getting into like a serious, serious conversation about this, you know, the, the bong mask is funny. It was funny. It's unfortunate the guy fell in the draft and lost a lot of money because of one picture of him wearing that mask. But if we're being serious about this, and I didn't expect to talk about this tonight, but now we are. The NFL probably should be lenient when it comes to things like that because it can be used as pain medication. And would you rather pump opioids into your players right now? Or if you have the option of a uh, maybe safer, long-term safer option, do you take that? Look, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on the radio. But I, I don't think it takes a doctor to determine that, you know, you start taking pain medication, bad things can happen. So so it seems that the NFL still tests and it's still illegal for players to do so, but they have reduced the, the, the punishment's the punishment not as bad, right? It's yeah. not as bad. And Travis Kelsey, first thing I, I maybe I should have looked up a different term, but I just Googled NFL weed. And the first article that pops up is Travis Kelsey estimates 50 to 80% of NFL players use cannabis. So, yeah. Oh, I think it's probably at least 80%. Yeah, I lead towards the latter. Yeah. Um, and, and look, if it means you're not taking dangerous, uh, dangerous other substances. Which is significantly more addicting. Right. Then, you know, what's the big deal here? I think for a long time the perception was that the NFL didn't want to get into allowing weed, A, because they felt like it damaged their image for some reason, and B, because they have some very, very uh, lucrative contracts with medical companies who are not involved in that. But there's been a lot of ex-athletes who have gone into that, uh, into that realm, into the medical recreational marijuana realm. Uh, and have found it to be much better for for their personal pain. Again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what side effects that type of thing can have on you compared to others, but obviously I think it's been pretty well established that some pretty terrible things can happen uh, when you know pain medication uh, becomes abused. And uh, that's sad. And so I didn't think we were going to talk about this tonight, but you never know where we're going to go. So thanks for that, Nelly. It's all your fault. You brought up Laramie Tunsil. <laughs> well, yeah. I just wanted to blame somebody. It is your show. <laughs> um, really interesting talk with Ian Cummings to start the hour here. He feels like offensive line and maybe even center is where the Steelers go right off the bat. Another offensive tackle comes into the equation, maybe a corner. I think that's probably the 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 trio of where they would look. I don't know where or if they should value one of those positions more than the other. I think if you have a center, an offensive tackle, or a corner, you know, if you if you need all one of those three or all of those three or two of those three, whatever, I think you just take the best player available among players that meet those requirements, if you will. I don't see them taking a guy like Bo Nix, though. 
Uh, Ian told us that he has a you know a higher ranking on Knicks than he did say Kenny Pickett. He thought Pickett was a you know day two middle round. That to me that that says third you know third round probably type of guy with Pickett. And Knicks would be somewhere between a first and second round pick. I just don't know if that moves the needle enough for me to say, you know what, enough of the picket experiment. Let's now go with the Knicks experiment. He's not Drake May. He's not Jaden Daniels. He's not Caleb Williams, who are probably going to be the first three picks in this draft. So you're looking at another situation where you're taking a quarterback in the first round, but he's not one of the blue chip guys. He's not one of the... Super, super sought-after prospects. And I worry that if you're – resetting the clock isn't the right word here because Pickett still has plenty of clock left, two years, and then maybe a fifth-year option if they want that. But I just don't see them pushing that button right now. If they're going to go get a quarterback and if they're going to trade or if they're going to use assets, meaning draft picks – to acquire a quarterback, I think they're going to trade for one. I would personally rather see them go trade a second and a fourth for Justin Fields than use a first on Bo Nix or, I don't know, anybody outside of probably May or Williams, which they're not going to get into that ballpark even if they try to trade for it. So, while I... Respect the fact that people are throwing the name Bo Nix out there. While I understand that Mike Tomlin watched Bo Nix closely at his uh, senior bowl practice, I'm not going to believe that that's even remotely possible for them until we start talking about pro days. If the Steelers start, you know, if they go to Oregon's Pro Day, if they go out to the West Coast and they travel all the way out to Oregon's Pro Day and they're there to watch the quarterback. Now, they do have the uh, the center that could be a possibility, that Jackson Powers Johnson at Oregon. And, in fact, Ian Cummings put out a mock draft today that has Powers Johnson going to the Steelers at 20th. But if they go out there with the intentions of looking at a quarterback, then maybe I start to put a little bit of weight to that. Until then, it's really just all people looking at a photo of Mike Tomlin talking to Bo Nix, of Mike Tomlin watching Bo Nix, and people all of a sudden suddenly believing that the Steelers are interested in a quarterback at 20th overall and that maybe it's Bo Nix. Maybe they're thinking Bo Nix slides to the third or fourth round. They want to get to know him now because I think in the fourth round, you could see them draft a quarterback. I don't think they will. I think they could potentially draft a guy in, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round at quarterback. But it wouldn't surprise me if Mike Tomlin's thinking, hey, look, you never know. This guy played a lot of college football. I've watched this guy play a lot. I want to get to know him a little bit, and and I'm going to. When we come back, I have another yay or nay for Nelly and myself. And 
My take on it might surprise you. The quarterback in question, James Garoppolo. I don't know if his name is actually James. Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G. Could the Steelers have interest there? My answer might surprise you. Josh Roundtree, Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. We've been playing yay or nay tonight. want to remind you first before we finish off the game that you can listen to Cook and Joe every Wednesday. Though I guess it's just the Joe show now. We got to update. We got to update this. Show. The powers that be are notified. It is in the works. You can listen to Joe every Wednesday and hear about Starkey's card of the week from Baseball Card Castle and Cranberry. Contests run every Wednesday through Friday at noon at the 937thefan.com contesting page. Um Yay or nay? Nelly, I'm going to put this out there to you first, and then I'll take it over. James, what did you, what, what, Richard, is that his middle name? James Robert? Richard Garoppolo. James Richard Garoppolo. Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo of the one-time uh, Patriots, 49ers, a Super Bowl starting quarterback. I feel like people forget that. And the Raiders. What say you, yay or nay? Nay. Why? Yeah, he didn't do anything last year in Oakland. He's going to be suspended for the first couple of games. You're going to be starting Kenny Pickett even if you bring him in the first couple of games anyway. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make sense to, yeah. to bring him in at all. I think it makes total sense. The Here's why. Doors. Here's why. The Steelers clearly believe that Pickett is their starting quarterback for next year. I think that's been established to this point. To me, I would be surprised right now as we sit here on February 21st at 8.52 p.m. if the Steelers opt away from Kenny Pickett as their starting quarterback for the opener next year. It can happen. I would just be a little bit surprised right now. It just seems like all signs coming out of South Water Street right now indicate that Kenny Pickett is going to get a chance at year number three, a make-it-or-break-it year, a huge year as Mike Tomlin described it for Pickett. All right, and look, we can sit here and argue until we're blue in the face over if that's a good idea or not. But if that's what they're going to do, I, they, I do think that they need a backup. Now, we've talked about the names tonight, Tannehill. I think that's a solid move, not spectacular, but solid. He's a guy that's not going to – you're not going to really be screaming and yelling for Ryan Tannehill to be the starting quarterback. Now, if Kenny Pickett struggles, you might, but you get what I'm saying. He's not coming in with the expectation of being the number one, and neither would Jimmy Garoppolo. I still think there's better football for Garoppolo ahead than maybe Tannehill. I think Tannehill is certainly, and, and while Garoppolo is probably not going uh, to, to be a great quarterback again, 
he is younger, three years younger than Tannehill. He has a 13-3 and season under his belt in which he had 27 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. That was the 2019 season. The year after that, he started six games. Not great. The next year, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and 15 games. All right numbers. His last year in San Francisco, 16 touchdowns in 10 starts, four interceptions. Those are better numbers than Kenny Pickett, certainly. Now the system, the 49ers, we've seen what they've become. And I know that he went to the Raiders last year and struggled, but let's be honest. Who on the Raiders was good last year? Who didn't struggle on the Raiders? They fired their coach. They reset their organization in Las Vegas. And Garoppolo wasn't good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he should come in here and be the starting quarterback. But it is a situation for them to bring a guy in who very, very much knows that he is the number two quarterback. Why does he know that? Why would he not have expectations? And why would the locker room not become divided in the preseason over, hey, is this guy better than the guy that struggled in the past in Pickett? And that's the issue that we're in right now, I think, with Rudolph. Why would they not feel that way? Because they know that he's not going to be there the first two weeks of the season because he is suspended for PED usage. So that expectation, that uh, that potential chasm that could come as a result of bringing in somebody, even like a Tannehill, but more specifically, I think like we talked about earlier, Trey Lance, Justin Fields certainly would cause this right away, and he would be the starter, I would believe, right away. But there's a number of quarterbacks that if you bring them in, people are going to want that quarterback instead of Pickett. Well, if you bring in a guy that can't play the first two weeks, you get your answer. It's Pickett's show from day one, and if he blows it, by the time that you decide, hey, we probably need to make a change, which I would think would probably be, what, game four? You probably give him three or four games. You have Garoppolo back in the mix for a couple of weeks, and if you want him to take over and see what he's got, you can see what he's got, but you're not causing an internal rift within that team based on who you are signing to be the backup quarterback because he can't play the first two weeks. But with that said, who would be Kenny Pickett's backup for those two weeks? It doesn't matter. You go draft a quarterback in the – fifth, sixth round to be your number three quarterback, knowing that whatever deal you work out with Garoppolo is shorter term anyways, so you can develop somebody now. You you believe that you have a better quarterback structure with Arthur Smith, with a new quarterback's coach, with Mike Sullivan in a different role, but still around. You, you feel like you can maybe develop a quarterback better now than you have been able to over the past few years. So, yeah, you don't have Jimmy Garoppolo the first two weeks, but the first two weeks of the season won't kill you if Pickett goes down. You know, if Pickett goes down the first play of game one, the worst-case scenario is you got to play a rookie quarterback the first two weeks of the season, then you get Garoppolo back in the fold. To me, you can start a season 0-2 and still crawl your way out of it. That's the worst-case scenario that could happen. 
if Pickett, say, gets injured in the preseason, well, maybe you start looking around a little bit for another quarterback you know, that can back up Garoppolo or that can start those first two weeks before Garoppolo is ready. And, you know, I, I'm just going through the worst-case scenarios here. I This isn't a pristine situation, but I think a lot of people, when they heard, you know, Garoppolo and the Steelers, they just sort of laughed it off like it was this idiot idea. I, I don't really think it's that stupid. I don't think the guy's a great quarterback. I don't think Fields is a great quarterback. He's better than Garoppolo, yes, but he's not a great quarterback. He doesn't make them a championship-caliber team. They can't beat the Bills or the Chiefs in the playoffs with Justin Fields any more than they can with Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett or Jimmy Garoppolo. He would come cheap. His contract just basically is getting voided now because he you know, tested positive for PEDs. Stupid move by him. Cost himself a little money there. But this is an opportunity. I don't know. What if this guy has more good football left in him? He's only 32 years old. He's been around. He's been to a big game. Maybe it's an opportunity for him to, you know, show pick at the ropes a little bit. I still think a more veteran established guy like Tannehill is probably the better call. But this isn't all that far-fetched, a guy like Jimmy G. And if they signed him, I would think, all right, it's not the sexiest pick. Well, (laughs) I think some women might disagree with that. They might think that it is the sexiest decision. But on the football side of things, it wouldn't be all that sexy. Remember Jimmy G, that story that came out very early on that he was uh, dating an adult actress out there? I have been trying to find... The soundbite of Stephen A. Smith giving him his nickname for at least six minutes back here, and I haven't yet to find it, and I'm very upset. Well, we'll see if we can get that in the last uh, hour and a half of the show. When we come back, uh, we're going to jump back into a little bit of Penguins talk. Dan Kingerski of Pittsburgh Hockey Now is going to join us. Kyle Dubas talked today, Penguins uh, front office man, general manager. And some interesting things came out of that. What are they going to do with Jake Gensel? Mike Sullivan, what's his job status look like? Are they going to be sellers, buyers, what at the deadline? We'll talk about that and a lot more with Dan Kingerski when we come back. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. Cloudy and a low of 44 in the overnight. I'm Josh Roundtree. More Fan Evening Show coming your way next on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.